Hello everyone and welcome to the third episode of Unraveling. My name is Fraser and I have obsessive compulsive disorder. Um, I just want to say before we start the episode um, up top that it's been uh, an enlightening week I think for everyone politically and um, uh, we're definitely, I think people are really trying to take steps to become more socially aware. Um, I know I've been reflecting uh, on myself a little bit and you know things I can do to um, be more of an ally to people of colour the world over. Um, so just quickly, I just want to uh, shout out a charity um, up top uh, if you uh, want to donate and continue to be uh, actively uh, supporting the futures of uh, young people of colour, then there's a good charity called the Stephen Lawrence Trust. Um, so if you go to stephenlawrence.org, and, and my sister put me onto this charity, and they seem really great. Uh, I've been reading some of their stuff, and it's just excellent. They work with uh, young people from disadvantaged backgrounds from as young as uh, 13 to 30 um, to inspire them and enable them to pursue uh, basically the their careers of their choice really and provide uh, communities and kind of educational programs like that to uh, help people essentially people from disadvantaged backgrounds get the jobs that they want and I think that's quite cool um, and there's more stuff as well uh, on their website there's other things you can read about um, they've got uh, partnership schemes and um, there's links for fundraising campaigns that you can do with them and they're just they're just a good seems like a good bunch of dudes over there so uh yeah if you want to continue trying to help then that might be something that you want to look into and i'll um i'll link that charity stephen lawrence charitable trust in the description so i just briefly want to mention here um that i said in the first episode that i was going to be doing a blog post to correspond with each of these podcasts but if I'm being honest I I did one for the first episode and I didn't do one for the one last week or well it's almost two weeks ago actually since I put one out um but uh uh I, I don't think I'm gonna bother <laughs> it takes quite a long time to make these and research them and script them and put them all together record them and edit them and publish them so it's it's just uh it's, I think it's just going to be this from now on. Uh, the blog post uh, is going to stay up there uh, because there's a couple of sources on there that I quoted in the first episode. But yeah, I'm going to leave the the blog up there in case I do uh, ever want to upload anything else on there. Um, but for now, uh, this is just it, really. So when I started this, I didn't really have a clear idea in my head of what I really wanted it to be. I think I just wanted to say some things about OCD and shine a bit of a light on it and show that it's maybe a pretty difficult time I would say for most people with OCD at the moment and I wanted to kind of raise awareness around that when I started this so I didn't really necessarily know if it was going to be a podcast or a blog or lots of different things a pop-up book was even suggested once um, uh, which I am still kind of playing with the idea of doing um but for now, yeah, it's just going to be, I think it's just going to be podcasts each week. So this week, uh, we are going to be looking at OCD and its portrayal in the media. I touched on this a bit in the first week. And um, yeah, I think I 
in my mirrors I had a lot more to say about it. I think OCD has been underrepresented in the media, is fair to say. And uh, I just think it would be interesting to kind of go through some of its more well-known or popular, uh, or maybe not, but <laughs> some, uh, some representations of OCD in popular media like mainstream TV and film and kind of discuss them and look at whether or not they're a good or an accurate um, representation of OCD. I'm sorry if I sound a little bit different as well this week. I, uh, uh, I'm a bit short of breath at the moment. Um, don't worry, I'm pretty sure it's not COVID. I spoke to my doctor about it, but um, yeah. Uh, I've got some uh, back pain that's actually caught, making it a little bit difficult for me to breathe. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, if I, if I sound a bit, um, different, uh, unless maybe calm, <laughs> that's why, um, no, I'm very, I'm, I'm still calm. I'm just, uh, just, just can't, uh, can't quite catch my breath in a minute. It's a bit annoying. Anyway, we're going to look at some characters now. Um, and I'm just going to kind of spitball around them cause I've got like, uh, five characters here to discuss and two of those characters of the five, the last two. Um, are two characters where it's they say you know this person has OCD and one of those is quite a good interpretation and one of them is awful and I'm going to save those at the end because there's some bangers like this <laughs> they're so what well, one of the, that's the one that's oh it's just so bad I don't even want to get into it yet but it's yeah I'm excited to talk about that because I've I've got some notes <laughs> And I should also say most people are going to want to want me to talk about Aviator. I cannot be fucked to watch that whole movie. It looks it's two hours and fifty minutes long, and it doesn't look that good or interesting to me. And I do not understand why all of Leonardo DiCaprio's films have to be like four hours long. But um, and I think he probably would have got an Oscar sooner if he'd opted for shorter scripts when he was choosing his films but li like every film with DiCaprio in is like two hours and 20 minutes like minimum um and I, you know, I don't hate long films when it's done on purpose and executed well but and you know with good intention uh it's fine but so many films are just long for the sake of being long and there's this weird thing that films do and that people do where they act like a film if a film is longer or like sl a slow burner then it's automatically more mature or like a higher art form like if a film takes more effort to just sit through then that means it's automatically more thoughtful and more like high art and you know or more grounded and more real or more gritty or you know words that people like to use but that's just that that's not true yeah and i think it's the godfather i think the godfather is the reason why people think that because a lot of people say that's the best film of all time and it's great but you know You'd be forgiven for watching that film in, like, installment. It's so, so long and so, like... I don't even know how long it is, but it feels like three hours. Even if it isn't, because it's so slow-moving. And it is a very thoughtful film. But I think because of that, uh, it started this trend of, like, slow burners automatically being considered better. Or more, like... I don't even know what the word is. Just having more artistic merit. And I feel like... <laughs> DiCaprio's desperation to get an Oscar for so long 
drove him to just go for these really, really long films. Um, but no, I can't. I just can't. So I can't be asked. But anyway, so that's why I'm not going to do Aviator. I'm, I'm sorry. Um, that's the one that people always point to is like, oh yeah, OCD like that guy, like um, Howard Hughes. I think is the the guy that it's based on. Yeah, like him in Aviator. So, yeah, well maybe. I don't know. It doesn't it just doesn't look like um a particularly positive representation. But you you know you be the judge. But look, we're just. I'm just not going to talk about it. It's fine. I mean, I already have basically just now, but whatever. <laughs> um, there might be some accurate stuff in there, but it certainly doesn't look like a particularly positive one. Um, and it looks like a very, very severe case of OCD from the things that I've heard and, and you know, the clips that I've seen. Uh, so, but yeah. Oh, and actually the severity of that brings me to... Um, two terms that I just want to briefly um, I'm going to introduce and then explain because you might hear me use them later I haven't really got script for the characters so it might, they might come up but I think they're important and one of them is flounderization which is this uh, thing where you exaggerate or the writer exaggerates a trait or a trait set uh, of a character to the point where it completely overtakes the characterization completely uh, and yes, that does come from Flanders, like Ned Flanders in The Simpsons, <laughs> um, who got, you know, that Bo Diddley do kind of thing that he does, um, that way of speaking, um, that, you know, in like the first few seasons, that was just kind of like a tick of the character, you know, just like a, a quirk. And then more and more, you know, he just became, that just became, yeah, that was like the running joke, like every single sentence he had to say yes diddly idly or you know whatever and to the point that his actual character the person that they'd created just disappeared um and it's often done for comic effect but it's quite uh, dare i say lazy <laughs> but that's flounderization and uh it's if you like a a fan term that people have come up with but i think it's quite helpful and there's definitely some of that going on here when we talk about OCD in the media. And there's another term which I've, I've coined. I don't know if there is a proper name for this, but there probably is. But essentially, this is when a mental illness or a disorder is made into a superpower. So the term for, uh, that I use for this is Rain Manning, um, because, you know, like, like the film Rain Man, which I like that movie, Um but his uh, autism uh, is essentially superhuman in that film. And it works as a film because they also look at a lot of the drawbacks of his autism and, you know, and how it has impeded him from having a normal life, so to speak. Um, so it's all right. Uh, but so, yeah, maybe Rain Man isn't fair, but I think a, a better example of this would be that Sherlock TV show. Um, so maybe, I don't know, maybe I'll call it Sherlocking, but where, again, being, you know, his implied autism is also the source of all his power. <laughs> and I hate Sherlock so much. I think it's the worst show. Um, because it does circumstantially touch on uh, mental difficulties or mental illnesses. Uh, for example, he's called a high-functioning sociopath and they say that he's also autistic and stuff and he is those things when he's pulling the solution to a crime out of his ass, 
that doesn't make any sense. But the rest of the time, it just doesn't impact his life much at all. He just gets away with everything, and everyone thinks he's the coolest, like sexist man. Like everyone seems to like worship him in that show, even though they're constantly saying he's an arsehole. They still just like follow him around. <laughs> um. Ugh, anyway, I shouldn't get too into it because I'm going to get people will be like, "What's your beef with Shark?" Because I know it's a very popular show. I don't like it at all. But all this to say, you know, autism, sociopathy. <laughs> these are not superpowers, and neither is OCD. There is one character on this list where I think that, you know, that that definitely might apply. But this kind of, yeah, this rain manning of um, of mental illness to the, you know, exaggerating this, like, say, a different way of thinking to the point that they be- it becomes something kind of superhuman. If there's any of that going on in these characters, they're going to lose points straight away. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just wanted to preface those two terms in case I do end up using them. Um so yeah we should probably get into some characters it was so hard to find any even like bad representations of ocd in media it took me you know the a lot of the suggestions just the characters just didn't have ocd um and it was certainly even harder to find any that i'd actually heard of prior to this just impossible to the point that people are clutching at straws and kind of attributing OCD to characters who are clearly, you know, mentally unwell but not uh, suffering from OCD. Uh, there's one pretty good one, like I said. It's by no means perfect. There are definitely still some issues with it, but um, but there's there's one that I think is is pretty good, and there's one that is just atrocious. And I, I'm really excited to talk about it. But anyway, there's also some characters on here who, again, they came up when you you know if you do like a Google of like characters with OCD um, and they came up on that but that I don't actually think has OCD, have OCD at all um, but they are, I'm going to touch there's two of those in here really that I'm going to touch on just for the sake of illustrating why it isn't OCD and, and how it's different but there really isn't a lot, I mean on the Wikipedia entry for novels about OCD, like that Wikipedia page which I, you know, it's probably a pretty small community of people who are editing that page but there's only five novels on that entire page and there's obviously going to be way more in real life but still it's just (laughs) but yeah i mean i haven't seen or read everything obviously so if anyone does know some like really decent representations of it in fiction then please contact me because i'd I'd love to check it out um so I'm, i'm just going to be talking about some of the suggestions that uh i had or you know that i found on google uh from mainstream media uh that i've seen because I'm working with the assumption that if it's mainstream and I've seen it, then most of the people listening to this will have also seen it or read it, um, because that's what mainstream means. <laughs> and I, you know, I'm, I'm pretentious and I watch a lot of arty stuff, but I'm also pretty typical and I'm a TV and movie guy and, you know, I like things and I, I read things sometimes as well, so... <laughs> If I've come across it, the likelihood is other people have too. Sadly, there's no superheroes with OCD, and I think that's quite telling because I think superheroes have essentially supplanted mythology in modern culture in the same ways that ancient Greek or Roman or Egyptian or whatever civilizations, ancient Chinese empires, you know, had their own mythologies and their own heroes to, you know, as moral or kind of etiquette. Um, teaching that they impart with these myths kind of you know the superman and uh that kind of archetype you know that's that's obviously the modern myth and 
the Justice League is essentially the modern pantheon of gods. And uh, I think it's really important what uh, heroes a culture has, and it tells you a lot about what the culture values. And um, so when you are excluded from that, as, you know, most all minority groups are, um, then you are being excluded from being in a position of worship, which is why I think it's so sad and why it's so important when you have things like black or female superheroes because again that by doing that you are holding up a mirror to what your society values and what is considered the good you know because the superheroes and mythological heroes hercules and all that stuff these are imprints of what society thinks is good so yeah so it was quite sad to find that I couldn't find a single superhero with OCD, but anyway. So here we go. Five mainstream characters who either have or are portrayed to have OCD um, or have been said to have OCD by other people. So I'm going to start with one of the most well-known ones uh, who some people say have OCD, Monica Geller from Friends. Um, this one surprised me. Actually, I never thought of Monica of ha- as having OCD growing up. Um, and I'm going to say that despite what certain websites uh, and lists like WatchMojo uh, would have you believe, I don't think Monica Geller has OCD, really. And if she does or was intended uh, to be taken that way, um, then it's quite a bad representation of the disorder. Um, maybe she shouldn't start on such a bad one. But for starters, she doesn't seem to be uh, overly anxious about things like for example contamination she's just rather kind of more neurotic about order and neatness so it's not about the potential for harm uh with her cleaning it's just about this kind of need to have things clean but not for any discernible reason um so if i had to guess i'd say monica is close to having a kind of like a personality disorder rather than ocd but I mean, I'm not a psychologist, but, you know, there's a scene that you might recall. She's vacuuming a vacuum. And <laughs> she's she's got, like, the a big vacuum for doing the floors. And then she's got, like, a little one of those mini, like, dust busters. And she's using that on the big vacuum. And all the other friends, Joey and Rachel and Chandler and Ross, Phoebe, all enter. <laughs> In case you've forgotten <laughs> the names. Um, but they all enter. And I think Rachel says something like, oh, look at her. You know, she's so happy. And Monica turns around and goes, if only there was a smaller vacuum to, you know, to clean this one. <laughs> and that's not a bad joke, you know, pretty harmless, whatever. But um, that, you might look at that and think, okay, well, there you go. That's quite, that's that's OCD, isn't it? Because she's obsessively cleaning and what have you and blah, blah, blah. And she wants a, a tiny vacuum to clean her bigger vacuum. And isn't that crazy? But <laughs> But that's why it isn't OCD because, first of all, OCD isn't crazy. Let's we'll get rid of that, Fraser. None of that. Um, but Rachel says when she sees her, look at her, she's so happy. And then Monica goes, yeah, if only there was a smaller one to clean this one. Ha ha ha. And that's exactly why it isn't OCD, right? Because when some when you see someone with OCD doing their compulsions, they're very often, it's, it's quite typical that they'll feel embarrassed actually about it and maybe almost a bit kind of ashamed about it. Not that they should, but it's it's quite a common feeling. I get embarrassed if I'm doing my obsessive hand washing and someone catches me. I hide a lot of my compulsions from my friends sometimes because I do get embarrassed by it. 
and I'm not doing it doesn't make me happy to do it it can actually make me really miserable um but for Monica she's she's so open about it and you might say okay well you know some people just open about their OCD and that's absolutely true um in a way this podcast is proof of that but she's so content and happy to clean a lot of the time it actually gives her quite a lot of pleasure that I don't think it's motivated from a position of anxiety and if it's not coming from her anxiety then I don't think we can really say it's OCD it's not cleaning or not cleaning I should say isn't causing her distress and there's no discernible intrusive thoughts at play here she's just too happy about it so I think she just, I think she likes as a character she likes cleaning and she likes when things are clean and when she's stressed she certainly seems like she cleans more but that's more of a coping mechanism as opposed to a compulsion you know it would be OCD if she couldn't stop herself from cleaning when she was stressed as a way of just managing her stress um or if she was showing signs of being under attack from her own mind with thoughts about what's going to happen if she doesn't clean and that brings me on to my next character who's slightly better but yeah overall I'd say Monica's a no. Um, she's actually just the embodiment of a really common sitcom TV trope of the tidy one, which was started by uh, the odd couple. I don't know if anyone's ever seen that. It's also another one that people often point to for OCD. I'm not going to talk about it here, but um, but we've all seen that trope, you know, right? Like, oh, one, you know, one's the tidy one, and the other roommate's messy, and ah, oh, my uh, hijinks. Uh. But it's <laughs> but you know, boo is what I say. To <laughs> Lazy writing again, but. Anyway, all this brings me, I think, to uh, my next character, who's also uh, falls into this trap of being the trope somewhat. So that character is Sheldon Cooper. Uh, Sheldon Cooper. You know, I'm, I'm going to say that I'm going to say that OCD um, again and OCD and autism are not remotely the same thing, and I want to be really clear on that. I feel like I'm going to talk about OCD, uh, autism quite a lot in this episode, but um, I probably shouldn't because I'm not qualified to speak on it really but you know it is possible to have two things and I would say that uh, Sheldon Cooper does seem to display some qualities of OCD as well as autism Um, however they're both very kind of exaggerated and cliched versions of those uh, two conditions but it's it's less clear-cut with uh, Dr. Cooper uh, whether or not he actually does have OCD which I actually kind of like I don't particularly like the Big Bang Theory, but OCD um, is sometimes really hard to diagnose. Uh, so if that was the intention, then it's a pretty good job, I guess. But um, his compulsions, if indeed they are compulsions, are you know things like cleaning. Uh, he also does, I th- from memory, I think he checks things quite repeatedly and he does count things. Um, I can't remember too much from the show, to be honest, but he... he has things like he has a spot on the sofa and won't sit elsewhere uh, and not sitting there seems to cause him distress that could be OCD again but I think that's more of just a kind of uh, an idiosyncrasy of him as opposed to an obsessive compulsion um, but there does seem to be an element of that going on there um, and what, well, there's one thing that is good that in a few episodes I remember he gets stuck in bathrooms because he can't touch the door handles and has to wait for someone to 
enter the bathroom so you can kind of slip out as they enter. And that's actually happened to me multiple times. Um, I'm always getting bloody stuck in the bathroom, honestly. So, I mean, sometimes you can get away with using your elbow, but um, if you're wearing a T-shirt, you know, you've got no sleeve, it's just your skin on the door handle. You know, what are you going to do? What 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 does a normal person do? I guess they just open it with their hand. Ugh. God, think of how many people have, like, taken a shit and not washed their hands and then just grabbed... (laughs) Um... And, you know, when, when the character of Sheldon is pressed on why he acts like this, he generally quotes things like fears of disease. Um, so contamination comes into play here. He's, he's obviously got... If he does have OCD, then I, think, I guess it would fall into the category of contamination OCD. Uh, and at one point, I remember he says that he won't use hand dryers because they, in his mind, they... I think he says they incubate and spew disease. Um so that might also be some evidence of some uh, obsessive thoughts going on there overall I'd say he's neurotic um, I think it'd be fair to say uh, and it's possible given what I've just said that he also has OCD if he was written with OCD in mind it's not an appalling interpretation um, even though it's mostly done for humour's sake uh, and OCD isn't a joke um, but I do you think you're allowed to joke about anything um you just got to make sure they're good jokes i don't find uh the big bang theory particularly funny but i'm also not particularly offended by that portrayal of ocd if indeed it is um ocd because again it's hard to tell so i would say that it's it's very possible that sheldon is a character that suffers from ocd so monica's a no sheldon's a maybe this next one that we're going to look at is from a book, and then we're going to get into the last two who are definitely like they're named as this person has OCD, and then I'm going to point at one of them as a as a good example, and the other one I'm going to probably tear to pieces to be honest. But um, so there's a, another character that that was suggested to me was um, Captain Ahab from Moby Dick. Absolutely not. Um, <laughs> uh, he's obsessed with the whale. But he does not have OCD. And this illustrates quite well a really important distinction and misconception that I want to address. And that's really the only reason I put this character in here for someone who very clearly does not have OCD. Is that OCD is often depicted as a fixation. But, you know, merely a fixation. Often that doesn't focus or do justice to the idea of intrusive thoughts. Um, which is a huge, huge part of OCD. So another character that we could point out, like Batman, um, is obsessed. You know, he's obsessed with fighting crime. He's obsessed with the Joker. He's obsessed with avenging the death of his parents. He's driven and he's fixated, you know. But Batman does not have OCD. And it's the same for Ahab. You know, having an obsession is not the same as having an obsessive compulsive disorder. Now, I never finished Moby Dick, in fairness. Um, I think I only got maybe a quarter of the way through that book is the longest thing you've ever seen in your life it's huge uh, it's pretty good but um, and I I've need to get back into it really but um, but I'm you know regardless I'm standing my ground on this one because I got up to the introduction of Ahab I know what he's about and that guy does not have OCD and I know enough of the story you know everyone I think knows kind of the story of Moby Dick um but I only really put him on to make that point about the difference between being obsessed with something and having a compulsive disorder. And I guess the distinction is this Ahab 
is fueled by revenge. People who suffer from OCD are compelled by anxiety. Do you see? So, you know, one is one is solely driven by his, you know, his desire to get revenge on the whale who took his leg. Whereas an octopus person, which I don't know if people remember that term from the first episode, but, you know, they're not driven by something so much as they are compelled almost against their will by their anxiety. And those are two very, very different things. So now, last two characters. I'm going to start with the bad one, and I'm going to then move to the good one, because I want to kind of end on the good interpretation. I probably have the most to say about him. So this next one is Mr. Monk from the TV show Monk, which is about a police officer. I believe he is a detective with OCD. And I had never seen Monk prior to researching uh, characters with OCD in fiction. And I went onto YouTube to watch some clips first, and then I saw that the entire first season was on there. And I thought, well, I'm not going to watch a whole season of TV. I just want to get a grip for whether or not this is a good interpretation. So I really only need like the first maybe one or two episodes. And I saw that the first episode was like a double parter. So it was like an hour and 15 hour, 20 minutes long. And it was for sale on YouTube. You could just buy it for two quid. And I was like, that's easy. Two quid. Yeah, fuck it. I'll buy that. But then I thought, (laughs) I'm going to watch this clip that I've loaded up first. You know, I'm going to watch a couple of these clips. And then I'll see based on that if I want to spend the money, spend the two pounds on this uh, episode of Monk. And oh my God, I am so glad that I didn't waste my two pounds on this because I know a lot of people really like Monk, but that is, I would like one of the worst examples of OCD in any popular TV show. And Monk was so popular and I didn't realize that until, you know, looking into it. But until, like, The Walking Dead, I think it had, like, one of the most watched um, TV episodes of all time, which I think was the finale. But Jesus Christ. I don't even know. It was my notebook. I was writing stuff down while I watched it. And I'll say just before I get really into it, if you want, if you want to go and watch some of the same clips that I did, there's one in particular. Go onto YouTube and type in Adrian Invest Adrian Adrian Monk um, interrogates a suspect with OCD. It's on the official Monk YouTube channel. It's five minutes long and it's the worst fucking depiction of OCD that I think I've ever seen because, again, it's this kind of flanderization um where they've just taken his obsessive compulsiveness to the max in a way that does not make sense and they force it into his every stifling interaction with this person and again this is this is kind of why I brought up rain manning where you know he eventually he comes to some conclusions based on his OCD but it's just the worst. So I'm going to talk about a different scene first and then I'll let you know and you can pause it and go and watch the interrogation scene and it's uh, like, oof. okay, all right. 
Uh, so here we go, Monk OCD notes, it says here. So Monk's Morning Routine, that was the name of the first clip on YouTube that I watched. If you want to, you can just type that in Monk's Morning Routine, you'll find it straight away. Um, so the first thing we see him do is he cleans a window. He cleans like the tiniest little speck off his window, which, I mean, I don't, not knowing, you know, hey, at this point, I hadn't got to know him very well as a character. I still don't know him all well as a character. It's not, I can't really say anything um, that, you know, that he, whether or not he has OCD based on that. The next thing we see, he's brushing his teeth and he's counting his brush strokes. One, two, three, four, like that, you know, as he brushes his teeth. And while he's doing this, he's rehearsing a conversation in his head. He's, he's well, not in his head, he's in the mirror. He's practicing lines almost. Um, and ruminating and rehearsing conversations is actually something that's quite common in people with social anxiety. Um, I'm at least I'm given to understand. So, you know, I saw that and I was like, "Hey, okay, well, all right, yeah, maybe maybe we're going somewhere with this." Um, then he goes to put his socks on and he opens his drawer, and all of his socks have been vacuum sealed in these like little plastic bags, and I don't, not even in pairs, single socks, flattened and sealed perfectly in plastic bags, and I cannot see any reason why anyone would do that even if you have pretty severe OCD I've just I've never come across that that's really that's really something and it seems to me like not something that someone with OCD would do but something which a writer for a TV show would think that someone with OCD would do so you see him take out this, so he puts his socks on, he's practicing this conversation, and the conversation he's practicing is actually a conversation he's going to have with his therapist, which is essentially lying to his therapist and saying he's fine and, you know, his OCD is under control. Uh, and we learn in this scene that Monk is, uh, he was a police officer of some description, and he's consulting uh, with a different precinct, and he wants to be reinstated. He wants to go back to work as an officer. But he needs to pass this psych evaluation first, I guess. Um, and he notices a cushion on the therapist's sofa that's out of place. And the therapist says to him, "Why do you keep staring at that cushion?" He's like, "Do you want to? Do you want to like adjust it? Do you want to put it back?" And he's Monk's like, "No, no, I'm totally fine. I got my OCD under control. I don't need to do this." And they keep talking for a bit, and eventually Monk accuses him of putting the cushion like that on purpose to kind of test him. And the therapist's like, did I? And then Monk's like, yeah, <laughs> sneaky. And then the therapist is like, you know, you put put the cushion back if it's really bothering you. First of all, a therapist would never say that to someone with OCD because everything we understand about OCD um, is a, you know, and its treatment is usually focuses around challenging the compulsions and, you know, doing things that would deliberately raise our anxiety and then sitting with that feeling and then not using the compulsions to bring our anxiety down and that is called uh, exposure response prevention and we've talked about it before you know in the first two episodes so the therapist just giving him this get out card of like it's fine you can go and adjust it if you want to is quite bizarre to me um i don't i can't see why a trained professional would do that but 
he he does and eventually monk cracks and you know he goes and adjusts the cushion and then once he's adjusted the cushion he starts doing the whole sofa and then the plants and blah 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 blah, blah. and then while he's doing this his therapist is looking at him with like a raised eyebrow and he's like oh here we go this monk he's off on one again and this little cutesy clarinet starts playing like you know and he's doing it and it's like oh it's so kooky and quirky and it just makes him look it's kind of insulting you know to see i felt a little bit offended almost in a way like seeing a condition that i really struggle with be so flippantly passed off as this kind of like oops doops doop i'm so i'm monk and i'm a weirdo <laughs> you know it's really weird and you know because this is it's supposed to be something that's ruining his life to the point that it's cost him his job as a police officer and it's just being played off as a kind of a quirk um and that's and even monk almost kind of sees it that way and that doesn't make any sense but moving on we'll, we're gonna talk about this scene now where he interrogates a suspect with OCD. Um, and by that I mean the suspect has OCD. He doesn't interrogate him using his special OCD powers. Although he kind of does. Because apparently, again, this is one of those cases where OCD is basically makes you a better detective. Um, so here in my notes it just says donut scene. And then it says, this is unbearable and damaging. Uh, and... Okay, so he's he's talking to this guy with OCD, and you know they're in the interrogation room. He's got the, you know they're they're on the the, the other side of the one way glass, and and Monk is in there with his uh, police captain, and the captain in this is amazing. He's so great, and I love him, even though he's kind of gets frustrated with both Monk and the suspects because of the OCD at one point, but he takes it out on them in such a perfect way that I absolutely love it, and. He, in a way he does a lot of favours for both those characters in that moment but I'll explain why in a second but Monk is you know they're talking to this guy with OCD and the police officer the captain sorry is like hey this is a friendly conversation and we learn that Monk and this guy with OCD know each other and that they actually have it would sound like from the clip they actually have the same therapist who I suppose is the aforementioned therapist who they name I think his name is Dr. Kruger but First of all, that's a massive conflict of confidentiality um, and would not happen. Um, but assuming that it does, uh, which you know, maybe it does, but I, I just think that's so crazy. It's like you're going to be investigated by someone who frequently visits your clinician. Yeah, okay, sure. But um, the, the captain puts down these donuts and he's like, I know you two have like a history together. There's some kind of rivalry there, you know. Um, and he's like, I brought some donuts so you can, you know, get along. He opens the donut box and oh no, the donuts are haphazardly, you know, they've shaken about in the box because it wasn't a full box. Someone's obviously had some of the donuts and they've moved about. And both Monk and the suspect immediately, you can see them on edge in the presence of this box. And then one of them, the the suspect picks up like a, a napkin and uses it to adjust, you know, through the napkin, the donuts, so that um, they form some kind of pattern. At which point, you can visibly see Monk zones out from this quite important interrogation because it's about an attempted murder to fix the pattern that the guy with OCD um, has made with the donuts, so that the donuts are all lined up, and then they start one-upping each other and they get really competitive 
with their OCD and <laughs> it's so weird. And then the captain like eats one of the donuts and they're like, why did you eat that one? And he's like, because it's the coconut one. I like the coconut one. They were like, no, you need to have a sugar one now. And he's like, I don't want the sugar ones. He's like, you need to have one of the glazed ones or like four of the sugar ones because otherwise, the, you know, the number of donuts is like odd. And they're like, oh, you could do this. You know, you could have four glazed ones and then one of the jam ones. And then the other guy's like, oh, no, actually, he should have two of the jam ones and then one of the one of the glazed ones. And then they're like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yep, this is that that would make the most sense yet. Because then he was like, oh, you could just eat all the donuts and then it would be, um, you know, that would be that would be the best solution. And the captain just loses his shit and throws his donut back in the box, picks up the whole box and crushes it in his hands. And he's like, there you go. Now there's only one donut. <laughs> and... In terms of exposure, I guess if you have this weird donut OCD that I don't think anyone fucking has, but um, in terms of exposure, that's pretty great. <laughs> and then he like yeets the box back down on the table, and then they start one-upping each other with their OCD again about this therapist because the suspect in question, who's a bit weird and comes across as you know, it's again this kind of thing of like, oh look, aren't people with OCD insane and quirky and odd or whatever? But he um he is like oh do you need the do you need the number for dr kruger because he can vouch you know that i wasn't there at the time of the murder because i was in his office doing a double session and then monk's like i'm gonna stop you there pal okay i've got dr kruger's pager and he's like well do you have his personal cell phone number and monk's like you son of a bitch you don't have his personal number and he's like i do and you know he's given me his number and he's like oh and i've been to his house and monk's like have you no shame and then they're getting really competitive over the fact that this patient might have more severe OCD than Monk and possibly has his therapist's actual number and not like his work beeper or whatever. And the captain's kind of like, enough. Because <laughs> I should say in this, the captain is essentially the audience because it's just like, what the fuck is this? What is happening? And then they sit there in uncomfortable silence for a bit. And then... The suspect says, of his therapist, I've met his daughter. And Monk <laughs> screams and he's like, liar! And points at him. Um, and I've got here, um, I've got here, storms out of the room, calling suspect a liar. Very unprofessional in an interrogation. And again, that clarinet comes back um, as they you know, in a later moment together, they are fighting and arguing over the best way to polish the mirror in the interrogation room. Uh, Monk runs in to stop the suspect when he starts cleaning the mirror using vertical strokes with a cloth and then proceeds to polish it with horizontal strokes. I would argue that circular strokes are the best way to polish anything, but, you know, who gives a shit? Uh, frankly, I don't understand what's going on anymore. But yeah, this this weird clarinet music stuff. Like, oh my god, look at these, look at these couple of kooks. And the captain's like, just leave them to it. But <laughs> anyway, and uh, when it comes to the captain saying, "Hey, monk, you know what? What do you make of this guy? You know, is he is he is he our guy? Is he our criminal?" And monk's like, "No, because the criminal." Some, at some point has written down the victim's name and misspelt her name Melanie or something and uh, Monk's like he never would have misspelt her name and the captain says how do you know that and then Monk goes because I wouldn't have misspelled it I misspell shit all the time They're, like even if that is your compulsion and you know you have some anxiety around spelling which if you do that's 
quite a rare form of OCD. Even I'm not obviously I'm not going to rule it out because people people's compulsions can take many forms. Even if that's a real thing, it's unlikely that these two people would both have this incredibly niche form of OCD, because people often do have different compulsions from one another, and they do find you know even even people with the same OCDs, you know, two people with contamination OCD might see different things as being having potential for harm. So the the odds of them both having this incredibly specific form of OCD is really strange. And again, it, that's not what OCD is. It's not. It's not. It's not just this kind of attention to detail on a level that's pathological. There's reasons why we do what we do. It's very often rooted in trying to avoid harm in some way. Um, and I can't see how spelling comes into that. Um, but I, I guess that's that's the Rain Manning thing again. You know, like his. He's like, oh, I wouldn't have done that, and I have OCD, and he has OCD, so he's innocent. Uh, you know, or like, I can use, I'm using my, super, look, I'm using my special, obsessively uh, fixated brain to solve murder. No, 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 doesn't fucking work like that. Um, uh, and then I've got another note under here that just says, this is the worst. And then if you watch that scene, which uh, I realized I said I was going to tell you when to pause it, hopefully you've gathered that that was the scene that was the scene I wanted you to go and watch called uh, again Adrian interrogates a suspect with OCD or something like that and then there was another scene I found which was just called Monk best scene square tomato and my note here just says what the fuck is this he finds a tomato that's been engineered by some botanist you know grown to be square and he loses his shit and he loves it so much he's like every slice would be the same size perfect you know blah 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 blah. it's like so symmetrical oh my god oh like oh oh oh, it fits so well into my crazy ocd lifestyle blah 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 and you know what they're trying to do police work and he all he can talk about is this tomato and then later you know one of the botanists is like just take just take it home like you can just have one it's fine like you love this tomato so he takes it home and he makes a cheese and tomato sandwich and he's like, it's the perfect sandwich, four right angles. Uh, uh, uh. And then the woman that he's working with is like, Monk, can you focus? I'm trying to, like, we're trying to solve a crime here. And he just won't shut up about this tomato. And it's just shit. Like, it's just, this. that's not OCD. I don't, th- he's so happy about it. Again, it can't really be OCD because OCD is an anxiety disorder. It's not just, I do it this way because it makes me happy. And I get, you know, I get that kind of Monk is a, First and foremost, a police procedural, but it is also a comedy drama. Um, but this isn't funny. It's, I mean, well, I, I guess it kind of is, but it's also, it's again, it's it's kind of insulting in the fact that it's it's taking quite a serious issue and using it for a joke rather than um, pointing out the things that are funny about that serious issue. Which again, you know, I think you can make a joke about almost anything, or literally anything, actually. I'd say, but just make sure it's a good joke. If you're gonna, you know, if you're gonna kind of make fun of people for having their OCD and at least make them quite you know good jokes there are good jokes about OCD I've heard quite a few of them I make jokes about my own OCD and that's absolutely fine this is just fucking weird and I'm so bad I didn't spend two pounds on this like even though it's two pounds it's just it looks like the worst thing in the world I think maybe if you don't have OCD and you think this is what OCD is like you might be able to look past it and enjoy the rest of the show for the you know the the murder mystery or the nature of the police procedural 
but as someone with OCD, I just think this is like one of the worst popular representations of it in uh, modern media. And make no mistake, this is a popular representation. I saw in one of the YouTube comments for um, one of the kind of one of several videos I watched about characters with OCD, someone saying that Monk was the king of OCD. <laughs> and um, I mean that, you know, he that's probably why so many people so many people of the generation that watched Monk because you know it's quite a while ago now but um, yeah I, I, I don't know it blows my mind but I'm going to stop talking about Monk man I've I got I to talk about someone else <laughs> this might be a long episode oh god it is okay okay we've talked about Monk we're going to talk about my last character now and I like this one uh, I want to end on a positive and I think Almost everyone is going to know who this is, and the character is called Dr. Kevin Casey from Scrubs, and he's in two very memorable episodes of Scrubs. Um, if you don't remember, I've got the names of the episodes somewhere. So it's in season three of Scrubs. The first episode that he's in is called My Catalyst, and then the next episode is called My Porcelain God, I believe. In the back-to-back episodes, and they're not very long, and yeah, we're just going to talk about them now. This is pretty good. Um, it's not perfect. There's definitely some issues with it, and I'll talk about that as well. But we first get introduced to the character of Dr. Kevin Casey when he walks into Sacred Heart Hospital, and everyone's gathered to kind of meet him because he is a consulting doctor who is both a surgeon and a doctor, so he's has kind of two specialist um, qualifications, which makes him in JD's own words, Super Doc. And he walks in and it goes, Super Doc! And then he shakes his head and he walks back out and he walks back in again and goes, Super Doc! And then he shakes his head and he walks back out and he walks back in again. And JD's like, okay, fine. A, you know, a doctor with severe OCD. Now that's a bit much. Uh, <laughs> the walking in and out. But it's not impossible, really, that someone with OCD would behave that way. Um, what I did like about it is when he's doing it, he's getting increasingly more frustrated. He's kind of like swearing. He's like, damn it, shit. And he's like going back in and out. And because it is frustrating, compulsions are not, again, this is why I, you know, condemn some of the other interpretations of OCD on this list, but compulsions don't make you happy. They actually are really fucking annoying. Um, and you can see him getting frustrated that he's not doing it right. Um, because, you know, perfectionism is a big part of this whole uh, disorder so that frustration is good the the compulsion itself is a bit peculiar but the frustration he feels in it is quite good um again it's still not great as it's again it's a joke in this context but you know like i said it's okay to still be humorous about things and you know uh like you know it's it's kind of funny enough that it you know it's fine um and the next thing we see him do is writing his name on some release forms so that he can perform an operation on a patient and he's writing his own name and as he signs the form he feels compelled to say his name as he does it so he's saying dr kevin casey dr kevin casey dr kevin casey as he's writing his own name and um uh this becomes like a running joke through the two episodes of saying dr kevin casey um and he says he's doing it in case he forgets something uh, so if later on he, you know, he realizes he hasn't signed something, he's like, oh no, I remember I did it because I said Dr. Kevin Casey. And again, while I, the compulsion itself is a bit, uh, unusual or atypical for OCD, 
that's not an un- that's that's a pretty good thought process. The, this kind of like need for reassurance, and he's thinking he's already thinking even when he's just signing a form. Okay, what's the worst thing that could happen in the future? I might you know doubt my own memory, so I'm doing this to kind of prevent that from happening in the future. He's already locked into this pattern of like um, uh, thinking of all the terrible things that could happen, and that's definitely something that people with OCD do experience that's the obsessive thought side of it you know so yeah making sure you've done things correctly is definitely a real thing with ocd um the only thing that's really not good about that is that when he's doing it jd looks absolutely horrified like he's looking at him like he's an absolute freak and again it's jd's supposed to be that kind of pov character he's the audience reacting but that's you know it's not you already know he has ocd you've already said it so why are you so fucking like every time every single time um, Dr. Kevin Casey, Dr. Kevin Casey, Dr. Kevin Casey. Um, every single time he does one of his compulsions, JD is like, and it's like, <laughs> and um, it's I don't know, it's a it's a confusing reaction for someone who knows he has ICD. Um, all right, so back to Kevin Casey. Um, there's a scene where he's talking to JD about his OCD, and he says he couldn't have survived in medicine if he didn't embrace his OCD. That's an odd thing to say. Um, your chance of survival, I would say, in almost every circumstance, will increase if you don't have OCD. But you know, he he justifies that by saying, you know, he re- he read the same textbooks over and over, um, or imagined the same worst case scenario over and over. That he read the same textbooks over and over again is a little bit strange. Uh, but I, you know, because that could just be revision. Um, but the fact that when he's doing it, he's imagining the worst case scenario over and over. That's, um, that's, that's definitely, like I said, you know, that is, that is definitely a feature of OCD. And then he gets stuck saying the words when he's saying, you know, imagine the worst case scenario over and over. He then gets stuck saying the words over and over and over and over and over. And he doesn't snap out of it until JD, uh, says Dr. Casey and he goes, Dr. Kevin Casey, thank you. And, you know, he snaps out of it. That's weird. That seems to me more like a like a stutter, or you know, a speech impediment, or even a form of maybe Tourette's. I don't think I've ever seen someone with OCD get stuck on a word. They might have a something that they feel they need to say, but I, it's it's confusing to me that he would just in the middle of a sentence just get stuck on a particular thing and then get locked in. And again, it's meant to be a joke, uh, you know. It's, it's, so you know, and this is the thing is that you know. As a comedy, Scrubs, you know, being, a, I guess, a, a hospital drama slash sitcom, uh, you know, that's, that's why it's been included, but it's not necessarily accurate. Moving on from that, some of the more positive attributes of this character um, in this episode. I do like that he's, you know, he's seemingly a very successful doctor and surgeon, despite his OCD. Um, it's quite nice, you know, to see a positive uh, characterization of someone with OCD. Someone who's like, yes, this person has OCD, but they're still successful, you know. Um, Monk lost his job because of his OCD, it would seem, and Dr. Kevin Casey seems to be thriving in spite of his OCD. That's a big difference. Not just coping with OCD, but actually living with OCD, you know, not just surviving, thriving with his OCD. That That's good to see. Again, there's some rain manning here uh, with his diagnostic ability it would seem that one of the things that dr kevin gazy is particularly gifted at as a doctor is diagnosing patients in a heartbeat 
Um, and I've written here Sherlock syndrome, but I came to call that Rain Manning, as you know. He can look at someone and just kind of, and he just kind of figures out straight away what they're suffering from, which I don't care if you've got OCD or you're the best doctor in the world. That is not, that's not, that's just, that's not a thing. Um, The best doctor in the world couldn't do that. Uh, Like just walk past a patient's room and diagnose them. And certainly having OCD doesn't make you more capable of being able to do that. But on the whole, as I say, I think it's good because he's generally liked and, He's liked by the others, and he's liked by the audience, and he's approachable, and he's friendly, and I, you know, and I like him, and that's that's good to see. At one point, I've got here. It says Kevin needs to take a shit, and says that that involves driving home and scrubbing the toilet seat first. That's not implausible. Um, I have trouble with public toilets quite a bit. I can often power through, uh, and I might just have to have like a shower when I get home. But it's not unreasonable, actually, to assume that someone with OCD might behave that way. You know, severe OCD. I think it's a bit strange that he would have to clean his own toilet bowl. I think it would make more sense if he said that about, you know, rather than driving home, he was just like, i got to go take a shit. I need to deep clean this hospital toilet first. That would make more sense. Or drive home. But not both. But, you know, whatever. It is what it is. Then there's a scene where he goes to a bar with JD and he's got a stack of beer mats and a bottle of beer and another stack of beer mats on the other side and... There's a beer mat resting over the top of his bottle of beer. And then every time he takes a sip, he takes off the beer mat from the beer, sips the beer, puts that beer mat down in the discard pile, and then takes a fresh one from the other pile and then places it on top of the beer. As with all these things, I guess it's not impossible, but it's it's done to play to the stereotype of OCD. And uh, it's, you can, it's very clearly being done to set up a joke later on down the line where he accidentally knocks off the, um, the beer mat and goes, up. Oh, and he kind of reluctantly just goes, I need a new beer. And then it kind of just fades to the um, the ads. Uh, but yeah, that that's one of the that's one of the few inclusions that I'm kind of like, this is just, you just didn't need to put that scene in really. I think it's just so that they had something to cut to the ad break on. <laughs> oh yeah, here's an example of his rain manning. Uh, he sniffs an oat, a bowl of oatmeal from like a foot away and he knows that it doesn't have enough butter. And... Everyone's like, oh my god, yeah, that's it. And there was something wrong with the oatmeal, and now I've tasted it. Yeah, you're right, it doesn't have enough butter. What is that? Also, everyone, like, it's, I know it's a joke again, it's because he's like, he's super dark, blah, blah, blah. But it's just really weird. And then he, everyone finds it really sexy. Like, Carla and Jordan are both sitting there, and they get really turned on when he can diagnose the oatmeal. And Jordan, he was even like, are you single? And he's like, Yes, are you? And she's like, no, but I'm thinking about it. It's like, I don't know, maybe, maybe, maybe um, culinary diagnostics like that are particularly sexy. And I've just, I, I, you know, I've been, I've been doing it wrong my whole life, but that doesn't to me, I can't see women finding that. It's just a strange inclusion. <laughs> and then we get to the scene that I really wanted to talk about with this character. And it's the scene that I think most people remember. We get to uh, this scene where he, Earlier in the episode, we've seen that he's operated, and then the episode moves on, and then we come back to him, and JD has found him, and he's, for various reasons, he wants to uh, confront Dr. Casey about something. And he finds him, and he's washing his hands. And all the lights seem to be off in this wing of the hospital, and this is unusual because we see that Dr. Kevin Casey wrapped up his surgery, presumably several hours earlier, in the in the context of the show. And yet there he is washing his hands. 
And what follows is actually a really moving and upsetting depiction of OCD. And it's one of the most accurate depictions that I've seen in any TV show. He gets, when JD enters the room, visibly annoyed at JD's presence. And he, at one point, slaps like a bottle off a shelf and like screams, damn it. He says to JD that he's stressed at, you know, being in this new hospital and meeting all these new people and he just wants to go home and it's, you know, it's, it's put a lot of pressure on him and it's triggered his anxiety and he just wants to go home and rest. And even though his surgery finished two hours ago, he just can't stop washing his hands, at which point he starts washing his hands again and he gets kind of halfway through and he just screams. And I related to that so much because there are moments in my life where I've felt exactly like there are actually times where I've screamed because I've been trapped washing my own hands or just kind of I nearly put my fist through the wall like last week because I was just so fed up with all this constant hand washing that I was doing because of COVID-19 and I was just so tired and I just wanted to stop and I was like trying to go to the shops or something and I'd wash my hands like so many times just like trying to leave my house and then every time I tried to leave I'd think I'd recontaminated them and I had to do it again and again and again and I yeah that's ex- and seeing uh, the character of Dr. Kevin Casey go through that was spot on like the and all of this is being brought to life fantastically well by the great actor Michael J. Fox who is so good in this role um, and he really plays it well and you know he un- he he gets he portrays what it's like really really movingly then he says to jd um you know this is a weak moment no one's supposed to see this that shame and embarrassment um and you know wanting to hide your compulsions i mentioned that earlier but that is a, a very real thing with people with ocd um i i really liked that that he was like this is he calls it i mean obviously it's not good for people with ocd to think that their compulsions are a weakness or that them doing them is a is a kind of is a sign you know just displaying weakness and makes them anything lesser but i like that it's included here because it illustrates really well that people with ocd do not like having ocd like monica or you know whatever <laughs> and we want to stop and we want to break out of this pattern of compulsion but we we can't because that's why they call it a compulsion we are compelled and he says to him he's like this is a weak moment no one is supposed to see this and that, yeah, and that speaks to those kind of feelings of embarrassment that are really, really common, not just in me, but just like with people in OCD in general. Like I, I know from experience I get like that and I know other people do as well. But yeah, he's, and he cites the stress of consulting at this new hospital and meeting all these new people as triggering his uh, OCD um, or his, you know, his so-called weak moment. And that, that tracks really well. Um, stress definitely makes my OCD works and it's almost certainly does for everyone else who suffers from it so that's really good and then in the second episode where he appears called my Porcelain god and i've just got a note here saying i forgot how much this theme song slaps um because it really does the scrubs theme is great um so i think this next introduction of the character you know the reintroduction of the character of dr kevin casey doesn't play as well but he likes to start his day by saying bink and touching everything in his first patient's room so he's like touching Literally, like, just poking every single thing in the room, going, bink, 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 bink. Uh, and I've got a note here just saying that's a great way to spread disease in a hospital, <laughs> just by touching everything. Um, uh, he has a sense of humour, 
which I really like, and he flirts with some. He flirts with uh, Elliot at one point, um, and I like that. Not because not every moment with this character is taken up by his OCD. He, you know, on the whole, they are. But he's, it shows that he is otherwise still a functioning person and a contributing member of society. This is what we need when we're talking about positive interpretations of OCD, or positive representations of OCD, I should say. And also in this episode, um, the janitor has built a roof on the a, a roof built a toilet on the roof um, and he uses it uh, to clear his head when he is stressed he goes and uses that toilet on the roof and he's out in the open air and it calms him down um, and so Dr. Kevin Casey decides that his goal is to use this toilet and for the whole episode that is actually his end goal it's just to use it once so he's setting up his own form of exposure response prevention and he takes several run-ups at it, which is good because it's, it shows that it's a genuine challenge for him and exposure is difficult. Um, but eventually he does do it. And yeah, it's, you know, so in, so we, he's, in these two episodes, we've been presented with a character who is a positive, uh, on the whole, positive representation of a character with OCD. It's not flawless, but it's mostly there. And then it also shows him tackling his issues head on. And that's that's great. And that's something that I've not seen really in anything else. Um, so I've got here a note saying, overall, this is not a flawless representation. I would say that he does have maybe one too many compulsions. It's not like the hand-washing thing makes sense because he's a surgeon and he's obviously concerned with contamination. But we see him doing other stereotypical compulsions that don't necessarily make sense, like flicking a light switch on and off and things, which which are, you know, the light switch thing, that is a, that is a thing that some people do. But... Um, yeah, it's kind of like in some ways he's got too many different kinds of OCD. I think it would have been better if they just focused on maybe the contamination side of it. But um, obviously contamination OCD is just one of many different forms of OCD. And that's a little teaser for next week's episode where I'm going to talk about uh, all the different kinds of OCD. But anyway, overall conclusion, not a flawless representation, but it, it is a positive one. Uh, while it could lead to some misconceptions about OCD, which can be harmful, I don't think people will look at this and be so far off base that it doesn't give us a good starting block. This character shows us some of the positive elements of OCD, or rather shows us that people with OCD can still be likeable, productive, rational, kind, and normal. So I gave it a 7 out of 10, not perfect, good effort, um, especially for the time as well that it was released in. It came out, I think it's like 2006, season 3, I looked it up or something. And I want to wrap this uh, very long section with a quote actually from dr kevin casey in the show I, well i've omitted the middle section of the quote because it's he just rambles on for a bit but essentially this is, he says this to elliot and i think that this is if you have ocd you might benefit from hearing this as well if there is something you know you can do and your mind keeps throwing up roadblocks just know that you can drive right through them and like i said he says that about using a toilet on the roof but <laughs> The, the message of exposure is still right there in the character. So on the whole, that is a good interpretation of OCD in media. And if you want to watch the scene where he gets stuck washing his hands, because it is quite powerful and well acted, um, it's on YouTube. All right, that was a that was a long one. Um, I'm going to have to... It's going to take me ages to edit this. Um, uh, but anyway, I hope that was interesting to people. I hope they enjoyed it. I hope everyone's doing well. Um, I think... Just some concluding remarks. One thing I did want to say, I don't know if anyone noticed, but with the exception of Captain Ahab, who we've established just straight up doesn't have OCD, all of these characters are in either sitcoms or comedy dramas. 
And that's because I think OCD is still very much a joke uh, or used as the as a well for jokes in the media, you know, and people with OCD get called crazy all the time or, you know, it's kind of kooky or quirky or um, so neurotic. It's kind of like, <laughs> look at this idiot, you know, like with Sheldon, like a lot of the stuff that he does comes across as kind of like merely just kind of so irrational that it's funny. And look, like I said, it's okay. It is actually permissible to make jokes about things like OCD. I, I don't personally have a problem with it, as long as they're, you know, good jokes. But it would be nice if OCD wasn't just a joke uh, in media. And it's pretty hard to find examples of cases where that isn't the case. I mean, you could you could say that, you know, I've just selected them that way. But if you look at, you know, if you just Google characters with OCD, you'll find that most of them or at least a significant part of them are all in comedies. And the ones that aren't are really bizarre. Um, Hannibal Lecter got thrown out once as a character with OCD by Watch Mojo, and I just thought that was so bizarre and really insulting to... You know, he's a cannibal, for fuck's sake. Like, he's... There's so many things wrong with that guy. I just think it's so bizarre that OCD would be one of them. All, all The only OCD traits that they point out as well is this kind of neat and orderliness... Which again, I think it speaks more to his sociopathic tendency and desires for control over other people than it does OCD. Again, he's you know he's more likely to have like some kind of personality disorder than OCD. But it's really weird, and I don't know. There's some there's some garbage interpretations out there. I'm sure there's some other good ones. Um, and again, haven't seen Aviator. People often talk about that one. Is that you know when they talk about OCD. Uh, in general, that that film does get brought up. Um, I couldn't be asked to sit through three hours of it, but then I have also just made like a podcast that's basically the length of a feature-length film. <laughs> so you be the judge of how you want to waste your time. <laughs> um, I'm going to have to edit this down. It might not end up being that long. I don't know. At the moment, it's an hour and 29 minutes uh, and counting. So oh, it's going to take a lot of editing. <laughs> um, I really enjoyed this one. I had a, I had a lot of time, uh, a lot of time, well, obviously, um, but a, a lot of fun uh, researching it and making it. So I hope people enjoyed it too. Um, if you do like the show, oh, and I appreciate all the messages that people are sending me, it's very nice. But if you if you do like the show and you want to support it, the the best thing you can do is this. Honestly, just tell someone about it. Even if you just tell one friend, like word of mouth, that helps me so much because. If you think about these things, I mean, think about the last time you watched or read or listened to something new, and I, I feel like there's like a solid eighty percent chance that it was on someone else's recommendation. Um, like, yes, you know, sponsored posts and all this kind of stuff uh, does come up a lot, and you know, it does get or you know, playlists and things like that. that Spotify mates or you know, what what's on the Netflix homepage? This influences your media consumption as well. But I feel like word of mouth is is just like the way to go. I mean, almost every, not every, but a lot of the TV shows or books that I read or or films that I see or music that I listen to especially comes from other people sending it to me or like recommending it to me in person or whatever and being like, you should watch this. And part of the reason that that so works so well is because you, if they're passionate about the thing that they're recommending, you actually absorb some of that passion right if someone's like seen a film and they really like it and they're like you have to watch this film it's so good you kind of imbibe some of that enthusiasm which means when you go into it you're kind of more likely to 
engage with it um, because you're already coming at it from this kind of positive viewpoint. It sucks when you don't enjoy the thing that they've recommended because then it feels like even more of a letdown. But if you genuinely enjoy this and or you find it useful or, you know, some people say they find it relaxing, something to do with me sounding like the guy from Headspace, whatever your reasons, if you do like it, uh, just please, you know, just tell a mate. Even if you just tell one person, helps me a lot. And, um, yeah, because... Uh, Otherwise, I've just wasted an hour and a half of my life. And frankly, uh, I... Well, no, I don't have anything better to do at the moment. Um, I'm going to go watch Monk. <laughs> nah, uh, never. Um, okay, well, anyway, thank you so much for listening, everyone. Stay safe out there. Again, consider donating to the Stephen Lawrence uh, Charitable Trust or, uh, you know, similar organizations. I mean, you know, do... You know look into it a little bit but on the whole donations would be is something you can actively do uh, i think to help and uh yeah i hope everyone's okay um all right i think we'll end it there thanks again and I'll see you next week next week um maybe looking at different kinds of ocd uh but maybe not it depends if uh, there's there's a couple of things i wouldn't mind talking about but yeah i think i think that'll be an interesting one it might not be enough to do a full episode but then God, this one has just been so long that I don't think anyone's going to get <laughs> The next one's a bit shorter. Um, alrighty. Okay, well, that'll do for me. Um, take care, everyone. Stay safe. And I will see you next week. Goodbye. Thank you for listening. Goodbye.